the truth and live the life. And we're going through that because we believe that the vision statement for our church can not only keep our church focused, but can also bring focus and, and purpose and vision to our lives individually and the families of our church. And so, so we were going through that, and, um, and we've been hearing all kinds of great testimonies from you guys about things that the Lord's doing in your lives, just bringing like a clarity, you know what I mean, a focus, um, the Lord establishing new purposes, new vision, new directions. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a powerful thing, like we said, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation or the prophetic voice of the Lord, what? The people perish. The people will cast off restraint. They will become people unrestrained. And so I ended that teaching series with this statement. Um, We cannot live the life. Remember, we're talking about choosing the way, knowing the truth, and living the life. That's our vision statement. We cannot live the life that Jesus has called us to live without the Holy Spirit. And if a Christ follower, and this is going to sound a little intense, but it's true. If a Christ follower is not living the life that Jesus has called them to live, then maybe they're not a Christ follower. Or maybe, maybe they're in rebellion and they're not giving the Holy Spirit control of their life. They're not allowing him to reign and rule in their life. And uh, at, at the very least, maybe a person that's not really living the life that Jesus has called them to live Maybe they lack a solid understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is in the life of the believer. You guys tracking with me? And so the purpose of this teaching series is really threefold for for this body, for us as individuals, families, uh, and this body. And one is to give us a solid understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, there's a lot of churches and a lot of ministers, pastors, that speak of the Holy Spirit but rarely, if ever, teach on the Holy Spirit. How many of you know there's a difference? There's a difference. You know, there's churches out there that boast in being spirit-filled churches. We're a spirit-filled church, but you never hear anything about uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit, at least in a way that makes it practical and applicable uh, for the body. You know, teaching about who the Holy Spirit is, uh, teaching in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teaching uh, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want to be guilty of that. So we want to bring during this series, we're going to do seven or eight weeks, and we want to build a a solid foundation for us as a church about who the Holy Spirit is, what it means to give Him control of our lives, what it means to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, another reason we're doing this, this series, obviously, is so that we truly would be inspired and challenged to give Him control of our life. Again, you see that maybe there's some... Some churches that, yes, we're spirit-filled, and we teach on it, and we emphasize it all the time, but, I mean, I still don't have I'm not giving him control of my life. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, Holy Spirit on one side of the mouth, and give me more of my flesh on the other side of my mouth. Well, we don't want to be those kinds of people either. Lord, Holy Spirit, reign and rule in my life. You know, in, in, in Scripture, you see that battle between flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. Melissa and I always used to teach that in our youth group to the kids, just try to make it simple as possible. There's a war going on inside, inside of you, the, the, the flesh and the spirit. And, buddy, the spirit always has to win. If the spirit doesn't win, then what you are in for is not going to be pleasant. It might be for a season, but it will end in despair it will end in even destruction because the enemy is out to still kill and destroy you if he can. But the Holy Spirit came to give life, life more abundant, life full of the Holy Spirit and content uh, with him. And so that's another reason. Lord, let the Holy Spirit reign and rule in our lives. 
Now, already some of you are like, oh, man. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. Because the Holy Spirit hasn't reigned in your life for quite a while now. You've been driven by the flesh. You've been ruled by the flesh. Sin has been your master rather than being a slave to righteousness. And I'm telling you that if you will allow it, the Holy Spirit will come in like a flood and he will change the direction, the course of your life. But it's up to you. It's up to you. Anybody who thinks that, that God's up you know, with puppet strings in our life and whenever God gets good and ready, he's going to yank me over this way and I'll finally live the life he's called me to live. That's not how it works. It's a daily surrender, giving him control of your life. That's why he gave you that wonderful gift. We're going to talk about that over the course of the next eight weeks. And then one of the other things I thought about, and I think we do this quite often uh, at SOMA, um, but I want us to present the Holy Spirit in such a way that you guys, as you are discipling people, can explain who the Holy Spirit is, what it's all about, what it means to live a life surrendered to him, You know, sometimes we count on the preacher to have all the answers, which we don't, by the way. All of us are supposed to be in discipleship relationships. Discipling someone and being discipled by someone. And so you may find yourself in a uh, discipleship moment at the coffee shop or at home or, or whatever. And, you know, maybe the person you're discipling or maybe you would have this question. It's like, you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah. What is it? What is it? What is that? And I want to start this morning by saying that the Holy Spirit of God is not an it. If you're writing things down, you can write that down. The Holy Spirit of God is not an it. I want you to turn to John uh, chapter 16. We're going to read a little bit of that. The Holy Spirit is not an it. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a who. It's a who. We can go further than that. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Look at John chapter 16, and we'll start in verse 5. And this is where the heading over this section in my, scripture, in my Bible says, The Holy Spirit promised. It's promised by Jesus. These are red letters. Jesus is talking about his good buddy, the Holy Spirit. He says, But now I am going to him who sent me, talking about the Father, and none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They were sad because Jesus was going to be leaving this earth and, and, and going away. He says, but I tell you the truth. It's all right. It's going to be okay. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears. He will, it's almost like Jesus is trying to make a point. You guys following He will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, this is a great text if you're trying to, to explain to someone what the Holy Spirit is. It's not a, he's not a it. He is a he. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. Can we say that? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person who has insight. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about how the Spirit knows the thoughts of God and discloses them to us. He lets us know. He helps us to know what God is speaking. You guys know what I'm talking about when you, when you say, um, I just want to, I really need to hear God on this. I'm making a decision. I really, well, you know who it is that helps you hear what God has to say to you about this or that? It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 talks about how the Holy Spirit has knowledge. It talks about the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to get to here in a few weeks, it talks about how the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts just as He, the Holy Spirit, wills or determines. Some of your version says, as the Spirit determines. And when you can go, the list can go on and on and on about things that, that um, qualify the Holy Spirit as a person. But one of my favorites is the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's been one of those questions. Well, what does that mean? Because I don't want to do that. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And listen to me real close, because this is going to um, probably hit everybody in this room one way or the other, or at least somebody that you know. When we see the Holy Spirit as an it versus a who or a he, when we view the Holy Spirit as, a, as an it, you will, one, be afraid of him. Let's think about that for a second. If you view the Holy Spirit as an it, this force, this thing, that I, don't, I can't explain it, it's just happens, things happen. And, I mean, think about the apostles on the day of Pentecost. They're up in the room waiting and praying, and they're going over scriptures and you know different things that had to do with the um, the fourth feast of Israel, uh, Pentecost, or certain scriptures they were reading. Scriptures, by the way, that talk about um, um, wind and fire and things and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, they're reading this stuff, and the same things that they're reading start happening in the room. It says the, a, a wind, a violent, um, a sound like a violent rushing wind comes into the room. And they start seeing. Tongues of fire and, and uh, chasing them around the room. I don't know if it's chasing them, but, you know, they had to have been scared. You know what I mean? If you were there, you'd have been wigging out too. And so it's very natural in, in some sense that, that the Holy Spirit is it's mysterious. We don't understand it. Um, and so it can be kind of scary in some way. But if we're afraid, then we're probably viewing him as an it, a force, a thing that is out to get us or whatever. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of. The Holy Spirit is not someone to be afraid of. There's a lot of denominations that would even say that the Holy Spirit does not move today, that he's not active, that he doesn't do some of the things that we see him do in, in the book of Acts and, and throughout Scripture. You know, that's, that's for another time. That, that, you know, those things died out with the, the apostles, with the disciples. I don't believe that to be true. Why? Because people get healed still today. Some of you have been healed. I was talking to a young man this morning named Ben visiting this morning. How God healed him. He still speaks prophetically to people. You know, he gives words of wisdom. You know what I mean? People can, can give the message uh, of God, the gospel, and someone hear it in another language. There's all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit still does today. So it, it doesn't make sense that he stopped working when the apostles died. And so because of those thoughts, there's this, there's this push up against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is simply um, that which draws you to God and seals you in God. But believe me, he's so much more, isn't he? He does draw us. He does woo us. 
except by the Spirit of the Lord, no one can be saved. But there's so much more to the Holy Spirit than that. And so um, you will either be afraid of him. And I thought about this. If you view the Holy Spirit as an it, and it's almost like anything. I mean, this is an it. But if you view the Holy Spirit as an it, you can treat it almost like a rabbit's foot. And you can rub it and use it, depend on it when you need it. When I need it, when I'm desperate for it. Oh, let's get this Holy Spirit thing out and let's count on it. And what happens is you see a lot of abuse of the Holy Spirit. You see gifts that are taken out of line and out of order. You see uh, you know, all kinds of strange things happen and in churches. And, and sometimes those things are real. Sometimes they are simply fake because somebody needs to muster up something within them to make them feel better about their relationship with God. And you can see all this stuff happening in a service and all this stuff. But listen, where there is no repentance, there's no presence of God. So I've been in services where there's just all kinds of things happen, but ain't no one repenting of one thing, at least not out loud. And it could be happening behind the scenes, I suppose. But when you're in the presence of the Lord, you can't help but notice how you fail in comparison to Him. I see my sin up against the holiness of God. And at some point, Lord, you are righteous. You are holy. Please forgive me of my sin. You understand? And so what can happen sometimes is, is, is people are doing all this thing and it's in the name of the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, even taking it down to the smallest degree, that person who everything is God said. Well, God said. Well, I just felt that I was supposed to do this. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit was saying do this. And sometimes there's things that are completely walking in disobedience. Why? Because all the wisdom and counsel in their life has said, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do But I feel the Holy Spirit saying that. But the wisdom, there's wisdom in the counsel of many, is saying, I wouldn't do that, bro. I would not go there. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've made that mistake. You need to understand. You need to listen. But they do it anyway. And they use the Holy Spirit as almost like a, a way to skirt accountability. It happens all the time. Can I get a witness? Well, we don't want to be people like that. We don't want to be people who are afraid of the Holy Spirit. And we certainly don't want to be people who abuse the Holy Spirit. You can't boast about having a relationship with God and continue to mistreat the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, and this is, this is point number one this morning, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I don't feel like I have to make a giant case for that this morning because I think most of us here this morning believe that. They understand that. That the Holy Spirit truly is God. He's the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity. Again, I don't feel like we have to spend a lot of time developing who the Trinity is, the Godhead, and that he's that. But he is God. And there's all kinds of scriptures that you can um, turn to that give a a great picture of that. My favorite is probably in Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You guys know the story. Uh, It's when uh, people were bringing all their uh, their money and their and their things and their possessions to the feet of the apostles so that they can go and hand it out to those who were less fortunate. And Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property and they brought some money. Notice I said some. And they said, this is all the money we got for our property. And they, they sent it before the apostles. And, and uh, I said, this is all that I have. But the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, Ananias, he said, why are you lying? In fact, he said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, and to keep some back for the, of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain in your own? In other words, this is your money. You can do what you want to. You don't have to lie and say that you're giving it all. If you wanted to give 10%, give 10%. If you want to give all of it, give all of it. 
He said, after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this idea in your heart and have not lied to man, but to God? Now, just two sentences earlier, he says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? If you've lied to God, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. If you've lied to the Holy Spirit, if you lied to God. You, got, you see that? And so the, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. And a couple things, a few things I thought about this week is, you know what? The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. We know this. We know Genesis 1. Uh, he, in the beginning, the earth was formless. It was void. And it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. The Spirit was there from the beginning. Again, that's part of understanding the Trinity and all that stuff. But He was. He was there in the beginning. He's not something that just showed up one day at Pentecost. There's this thing going out there. I think it's Darth Vader or something, you know? It's the force. He was there in the beginning. He's there now. He's here with us. He, he dwells in the hearts of the believer. He's here now. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, what we said a while ago, it says that the Spirit knows the thoughts of God, and He helps us to know those thoughts. Again, in, in the now, the Spirit is here, and He's active, and He's moving. I love uh, Psalm 139, where it talks about, um, Lord, You search me, and You know my heart, You know my, my thoughts. Uh, um, talks about how, where could I go? Where could I flee from your spirit? I mean, you can't. Why? Because he's there. You know what I mean? can't leave him behind. You can't be ahead of him. You know? He's there. He's with us now in the presence. You can't go anywhere from his spirit because he's here. And he will be there at the end. Revelation 29 talks about how the spirit and the bride say, come. He's there in the beginning. He's there now. He's going to be there in the end because he's God. He is God. And the other thing is, is the Holy Spirit is good. And I want you, this is one of the things I want us to tune in on this morning, that the Holy Spirit is good. I mean, of course He is. He's God. The Holy Spirit is God, and so He can only relate to us in ways that are good, which means what? I don't have to be afraid of Him. I don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit, because if He's moving and shaking, then He's moving and shaking for the good in my life. He's accomplishing the heart and the will of God in my life, and He's leading me to go down that, uh, that road that may be narrow, but it's the one that leads to life versus the one I've been on, the wide one that leads to destruction. The Holy Spirit is good. A few things if you want to jot these down. Uh, scripture says that the Holy Spirit convicts. This is a very good thing. John sixteen seventeen it says uh, that He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. Listen, if He doesn't do that, then I, I'm not coming to God. The Holy Spirit convicts us. So, that may sound, no, I don't want that. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I was going to leave whenever you said we we're going to talk about Holy Spirit and giving Him control. I don't want to do that. Well, then you are headed towards a bad direction. It's a good thing that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us. Amen? It's a good thing that the Holy Spirit, He's called the Counselor, and He counsels us. In John 14, it says, verse 26, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, calling the Holy Spirit the Counselor, who my Father will send in my, who the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Well, that's a good thing. Why? Because sometimes I read this and I just flat out forget, and so I get scared to go talk to someone else about the Lord or disciple or evangelize or whatever. Why? Because I'm afraid I'm going to forget it all. I'm just not. Gonna... Listen, have faith. Step out. The Holy Spirit will bring those things to your remembrance. Why? Because He's good, and He's the Counselor. And he's the teacher. And he doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to succeed. And he wants that person to come to Christ. Or he wants that person to be equipped in Christ. He's good because he's the comforter. Scripture over in John 14, uh, 6, it also says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper. 
another comforter. Those words are interchangeable. Some of your versions say helper. Some of them say comforter. That he may be with you forever. He's there to comfort us. I don't know how many times I've been alone uh, with the Lord and there's been difficulty and all of us have gone through difficulty. Some things are so difficult that you just cannot bear it. You think, how am am I going to bear this? How am I going to get through? It's because you're a believer and you have an advantage over someone who's not. You have the Holy Spirit who is the comforter that can take your, uh, your guilt, your shame, your pain, and he can turn it for, uh, for good. He can work it to where there's joy that rises up rather than despair. That's how good he is. Holy Spirit is good because the Scripture says he's our guide. John 16, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Again, that's a good thing. It's a good thing, especially in the day that we live in where truth is very relative. Truth is like, uh, you got to, you know, if it's true for you, it's, it's true for you, but it may not be true for me. Listen, that's not the kind of truth we're wanting to cling, on, cling to. We talked about that several weeks ago. A shifting truth? No, 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 no. I need a truth that is solid, that I can count on, that I can put my feet on it and know that this thing isn't going to shift under my feet. Amen? He's the one that guides us into that kind of truth. If you're walking and living a life right now and you're just kind of that, uh, um, uh, how do you say it? I've got to be careful. Uh, sifting, sh- sifting, I better stop. You know, uh, sifting sand kind of guy. You know, you're just wavering, you know, that reed tossed in the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you need to pause. You need to have the Holy Spirit ask him to come and lead you into something that will, that will make you solid and give you a strong, firm foundation. He's good, and I, and, I, and I love this, and I don't know if, how you feel about this, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's our friend. He's our friend. The Holy Spirit is our friend. And you guys know the old song, um, um, Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Y'all know that one? Sing it with me. And renew a right spirit within me. Then it goes, cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Right, so we'll stop right there. The psalmist is literally saying, in this moment of failure, really, with Bathsheba, this repentant moment, remember you can't be in the presence of the Lord and and not make you acutely aware of your sin. And he says, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I don't know, man. I just interpret that as David and the Holy Spirit must have been tight. The Holy Spirit is good, and he's a good friend. And I can go on and on and on. I'll say one more. The Holy Spirit prays. Romans chapter 8 talks about the Holy, how the Holy Spirit intercedes. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us, uh, helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We're going to talk about that in about six weeks. But He prays for us. He intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is good. And I, I, I pray this morning that if you've come from a background that the Holy Spirit is this big scary thing that just you know, wreaks havoc in your life to change that thought pattern. The Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, is good. Amen? And the last thing is that the Holy Spirit is a, is a gift. And uh, this is, I wanted to end this morning because this really will set up, especially when we start talking about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. 
Let me say it this way. The Holy Spirit is the gift. A lot of times we get focused on the spiritual gifts, the uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit, a gift like prophecy or, or tongues or healing or whatever, and those things are valid, those things are right, and those things are true. But they can never take precedence in our life over the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. Remember, he, Jesus told his disciples, listen, uh, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay there uh, and wait for the gift my Father has promised. And the gift wasn't the ability to talk to all those people in different languages. The gift was the Holy Spirit Himself. Say it with me. The Holy Spirit is the gift. One more time. The Holy is the gift. He is the gift. Do we have to move on and understand uh, spiritual gifts as well? Yes, Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant as it pertains to spiritual gifts. But we also cannot be ignorant of the fact that the Holy Spirit is the gift. He's a gift. He's the gift. He's a gift. He's the gift that's given to us. John 16 goes on to say, he talks about how the helper will come, uh, will not come to you. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. And then he says, but if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit has come to us. The Holy Spirit is for us. Remember when we read it, it says that if I tell you the truth, if it's to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because he's given him uh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, but for us. Why? As an advantage. If I'm going to live the life that's worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ Jesus, then I need something. I need an advantage. I need an advantage over this guy over here who does not know Christ. What's the advantage? That I have the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between me and the guy that is, uh, that is you know, far away from God? The difference is I've been brought near by the blood of the Lamb, and I've been filled I've received the Holy Spirit of God is just to your advantage. So he's to us. He's been given to us a wonderful gift given to us and for us. But here's the big thing. And I think most of us here believe this and I'm just, I'm going to reinforce it. The Holy Spirit is a gift that has been put in us. In us. This is, this is huge. This isn't like the days of, of David or, or, or um, Samson when the Holy Spirit would come upon them in power. He certainly does, but he's in us all the time. He lives in us. He dwells in us. John fourteen seventeen says that the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. He's with you. And he says, will be in you. And he's talking about himself right now. The, the Spirit is, is with you, but very soon will be in you. And he's prophetically speaking ahead of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus went away. He sent his Holy Spirit. Not to float around until we need him like a rabbit's foot, but to have complete, total access to Jesus Christ, to God himself, all the time through the Holy Spirit. He dwells in our hearts. John 1, 3, verse 24 says, First John 3, Verse 24 says that he abides in us by the Spirit. Jesus Christ abides in us. God abides in us by his Spirit whom he has given to us as a wonderful gift. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So we, you know, God used to dwell with men through the tabernacle and then it moved on to the, to the temple. And now we are the temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And my favorite, and we're going to kind of end with this, my favorite is Galatians 4.6. I want you to turn there. Galatians 
Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I want you to underline that. If you have a pen, I want you to underline that verse. And I want you to draw a line somewhere to the margin of your Bible. You write personal there if you want to. Just one word to remind you that it doesn't get much more personal than that. That he has sent his son because we are sons, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And there's just something about that verse that feels so personal. And it's a, it's a summation. It's a wrapping up of all these things that the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit is good, and that he is a gift, that he is a friend, that he's a comforter, a guide. He counsels me. He teaches me. He leads me. He helps me. He's a friend. I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with God includes having a relationship with the Holy Spirit and, of course, Jesus Christ as well. You know, our, and I've said this before, our initial, uh, how do you say that? Our initial uh, connection with God has been made possible through Jesus Christ. He came out of obedience to God to this earth, died on the cross, shed his blood, went to the grave, rose again, victorious over sin, death, power of the grave. And we have been brought near to God. We were once far off, but we've been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ accomplished that. What used to be a giant chasm between me and God has been closed because of the, Jesus Christ. And because I've said, thank you, Lord. You, you become uh, Lord of my life. So our initial relationship or connection with God has been made through Jesus Christ. My continual connection with God is made possible through the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about. Does that mean that Jesus, that Jesus doesn't do anything anymore? No, that's not what that means. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he makes intercession for us, which is the same thing the Holy Spirit is doing. What I am saying is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, according to God's Word, is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about this next week, I think, about how uh, what Jesus came to do is to fill us up. It used to be out about the law and the prophets and rules and regulations and, and uh, all that stuff in the old covenant. But now we live in the new covenant, a new and living way that's all about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It used to be all this stuff. I had to go cut up a, you know, a goat to be right with God. And follow all these rules and make all these sacrifices. Jesus was the sacrifice. And now it's not about uh, uh, the law. It's about grace. It's not about the flesh, the works of the flesh, things that my hands can do. It's about the Holy Spirit. Amen? We'll talk a lot more about that. I believe it's next week. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I want to end with this question because it may be a question that you have because we're talking about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do you have a relationship? This may be a question that you've had. It may be a question that someone you're discipling has had. If you have ever gotten this conversation, I believe you've got some things to answer that question. For one, um, I'm acknowledging that He is God, that the Holy Spirit is God. Acknowledge that. Some people may have not have ever acknowledged that. I thought it was an it. I thought it was the force. I thought it was this thing that floats. I thought it was something that you have to have an infrared light to zone in on. You know what I mean? 
No, the Holy Spirit is God, and you have free access to him anytime because he lives in your heart. Acknowledge that. Literally, speak that out loud. The Holy Spirit's God. Confess it to your wife, your boyfriend, your friend, the unbeliever. The Holy Spirit is God. That's one way to begin a relationship with him. Getting acquainted, you know what I mean? The other thing is to focus on how good he is. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is good. You know, whenever, whenever we uh, come to a place where we start um, getting ticked off at God for the things that he's doing in our life, the things that aren't quite perfect and pleasant, we're like mad at God. Listen, you're mad at the Holy Spirit. And I think that grieves him. It's like, I'm, I'm just trying to work out sanctification in your life. I'm trying to bring you to holiness. I'm trying to guide you and lead you. And, and uh, this thing is difficult, but yeah, you can handle that because you have me. And if you're mad, then you're mad at me and you're mad at God. And it's this vicious cycle. Listen, acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is good no matter what's going on. Righteousness, peace, joy in the... Y'all don't remember that song? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You don't remember that one? Righteousness, peace. Y'all don't remember that one? I guess I'm from another planet. (laughs) So acknowledge that he's God. Acknowledge that he's good. Acknowledge that he's a gift. Acknowledge that he's a gift. Someone has given you a gift. And at Christmas time, who is the person that says, thank you, and tosses the gift? Nobody does that. They rip into it. I wonder what it is. It's underwear. It's a new sock. Or two. (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't just take that gift, put it up on the shelf. And I know that's that's an example that's used all the time about the Holy Spirit. But it's so true. I mean, I have three kids. Well, I have four kids now. But my boys, I've been able to celebrate. I guess I've celebrated one Christmas with Emma Kate. But she didn't open anything. Man, my boys, they get their presents. And it is not like they just look at it and be like, Hmm. They're just like, you know. Acknowledge that he's a gift, that this is a good thing. And when you open that up, whatever happens in your life, we know that it's going to produce, and we'll talk about this too, Galatians 5.22, it's going to start producing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control in your life. Those are all good things, but I don't want self-control. I want what I want. That's the problem. Flesh versus spirit. It's a good gift, and he gives good gifts. And acknowledge, last of all, and you can go ahead and stand. Acknowledge that you're not afraid of the Holy Spirit. You remember in high school when there was that girl that was just so pretty and you're just not so pretty? You know? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. When I was high school, I was repulsive. I had a mullet that came down midway and had an earring and one ear and, you know, the, the sweeping bangs, you know. I remember the, the bad guy in Karate Kid 1, he had those bangs. It was literally like a wave, you know. It's like, just, and you just blow it. It goes, you know what I mean? I was repulsive. And then I was like, dang, who's that? And it was Melissa, my wife, you know. You know? And it's kind of like, oh, do I talk to her? I don't, you guys know what I'm talking about. Do I talk to her? Do I talk to him or whatever? And there's this fear and there's this like opposite pulling magnet thing that's keeping you away. And listen, it can't be like that with the Holy Spirit. He's beautiful, like we sang this morning. 
Everything about him, the fact that he's God, the fact that he's good, the fact that he's a gift, he's beautiful, he's worthy of our attention, he's worth stepping out and going asking him out. You can do that. Holy Spirit, you want to go out? He's like, I, absolutely. I got some things I want to teach you. That sounds funny, but why not, right? Go out and have a quiet time with the Lord. Because guess who you're going to be? He's going to be speaking to the heart of God to you, the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like a date with... It's like, I think that works. But you can't be afraid of him. If you're afraid of him, then you will um, treat him like he doesn't exist. And you can't have a relationship with God. Remember what I said? You can't have a relationship with God and continue to mistreat the Holy Spirit on the pendulum that swings to be afraid of him or the pendulum that uh, swings on abusing him. Amen.